0: All right, this is WMSC 90.3. It's quarter to 11. And we have Condition Critical's manager, Sean Scarano, in the house. This is Japan Nick at Montclair State University. Now, Sean.
1: What's going on, Nick, man? It's good to be here, brother.
0: Much appreciated, bro. Um, A band you're managing, Condition Critical, their new album has eight songs. Was that how many... That you guys went into the studio to record, or were there more that you had to cut down to the final number?
1: Well, I mean, when we went into the studio to record, the guys went in there with the mentality of like putting together an old school thrash record, and the records back in those days basically usually had, you know, three minute three minute tunes, eight songs to a CD. Um, they had thrown around the whole idea of maybe putting one or two of the demo songs on the CD as well. But we just figured we we're going to keep it like old school and and just do it that way.
0: I see now. Typically, though, don't you have some songs on here that are like six or seven minutes long?
1: Um, there's a couple that are a little bit longer on there. Mm. Um, honestly, I, I I I just think the whole album rounded out really well the way the way it was done. I mean, there is a couple things on there that just. Are very aggressive, and, and the riffs just, just hold, hold you there, you know, and they take twists and turns, and sometimes it does take a little bit longer to get that done. But usually when I'm listening to the stuff, and, you know, I'm their record label guy, too, as, as well as their manager, and, of course, I'm going to say this, yes you know, but um, the stuff really, really just is, is done right, and it has a nice groove to it, and it just really keeps keeps it moving. I mean, when I end up listening to the record... I don't even realize a song six or seven minutes because it just takes me right through it, you know?
0: Now, on that note, what song on Operation Hazard would you recommend for our listeners?
1: Um, well, besides all of them, of course. Um, I mean, I, I would recommend, I mean, Parasitic Torment is a great, is a great track on there. Um, Random Acts of Killing is another great track on there. Um. Geez, Gravitational Dismemberment is another one. Uh, Parasitic Torment, I actually don't think has been played out on the radio yet. If that's one you want to put out there for uh, your listeners, that would be a great one to start out with, for sure. Okay, let's cue it up. Cool, man.
0: Now, tell me about um, I guess the production on that track. Well,
1: I mean, you know, uh, when the guys were here before, they were talking to you a little bit about uh, where they recorded down in in Mana at Eric Rutan's studio. Um, you know, from Hate Eternal," "Morbid Angel," and all that stuff. And and his his second engineer Brian did most did most of the work on on the record, with helping you know co-produce and uh, getting the getting the sound the way the guys wanted <laughs> it and really help them, you know, sort of hone their skills into making the record what it is. You know, and production-wise, I mean, the equipment was all top-notch. Um, we were down there for about two and a half weeks. Uh, we had two days off, pretty much blew through the record, and what you hear is is what came out of that.
0: I remember um, back in, I think, October, Condition Critical uh, appeared here at WMSC, and I was privileged enough to... Uh, hear a recording of the album back then obviously we didn't play it over the air because that'd be like
1: sort of sacrilegal. yeah because yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Y- you can't do that till like the album's release but I mean were there very many changes since um like last year's version back like when you had it in your hands like say October November to now
1: well I mean the main difference probably was the version that you heard probably wasn't even mastered yet. Um, if it was a year ago, it definitely wasn't mastered yet. It was probably just the basic the basic tracks with the mix uh, without the mastering. So, I mean, now what you're listening to now gives you that, you know, it's a little bit more compressed probably, and it gives you a much wider spread and dynamic, dynamic you know, to what's, what's going on with the record.
0: I see. Tell me, like, for the mastering part, like, what were some things that you chose to really focus hard on?
1: Um, when we first, when we got back our first mix, I mean, there was it, it, I mean, it was it was a pretty damn good mix. And when when we really listened to it, there was a couple things we wanted to change. You know, like some of the leads needed to be pushed up in certain parts. Um, the vocals at different points uh, needed to be moved around. And the biggest thing in the mix probably was the gang vocals. The gang vocals were a little bit too low in the first one or two mixes. And it just took about three different mixes before it was ready to be mastered. You know, and and we were all happy with how it came out.
0: With the gang vocals, was that all just guys from Condition Critical, or did you invite any people from other bands into the uh, mix?
1: Just the guys from Condition Critical. Um, Nobody else was in that mix. I mean, Eric probably would have been on that mix, but he was was actually out of town uh, in Italy, uh, when we well we we actually well we got to meet and hang with him for like 2 days and we were first in the studio. And uh he was leaving for Italy to Milan for vacation or something to do stuff, but I'm sure he would have been on there if he could yeah. have been.
0: I understand. Now, has has there been any concerts yet since um the two original members from uh, Condition Critical have been replaced by Dimitri and Tony. Yeah, Tony.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's him. Um, we, we played one show uh, with, with Tony. I th- actually, it might have been, I think it's two. We did two shows with Tony. We did one at Kung Fu Necktie with Lich King, which was a little bit ago. Mm-hmm. And we did one up in, uh, let's see, where was that? It was somewhere up around here in New York. I'm trying to remember with Surgical Strike. and uh, The Blackthorn 51 Club? I'm not sure. It was with Coratory too. Uh, Mm -hmm. that was supposed to play that night, but something happened to, uh, I believe, the singer, and he had to go to the hospital, and they had to cancel, but we still, you know, played the show. Now, we have not done any shows yet with Dimitri. Okay. Um, But as far as what's going on with him right now, um, I haven't met him personally yet, but the guys are telling me right now that that this guy has everything down to a T. He's basically ready to go on tour with these songs, and just, he's tight. Now,
0: like when the guys in Condition Critical are practicing, about how many fr- times a week do they practice with each other?
1: Um, that varies, I guess, week to week with their work schedules. Um, from what I know now, I'm not in the band, like yeah. I said. It's, it's from what I hear from the different members. Um, they, they practice usually at least once a week as a full band, and then the string sections usually get together to work on you know guitar riffs and strings and, and, and tightening stuff up. And
0: what about the other half of the band?
1: The other half what? For like uh, the uh,
0: non-string section.
1: Oh, the non-string section. Um probably mostly are, are sitting down probably playing to the demo mm. and stuff like that and to the record just tightening up their stuff and then, you know, just just keeping keeping their stamina up and and just keeping themselves tight.
0: Do you expect any of the songs on Operational Hazard to be performed any differently? when they perform them live or is it just going to be like note for note everything's going to be like that
1: well i mean you you know you, you strive you strive to to do your live performance and make it sound just like the record but also you know each person brings their own individual attitude their own individual mm-hmm. feel to what they're doing so i mean you're going to hear you're going to hear the record but you're going to hear more than the record. You are going to, you're going to hear, you know, the, the passion and, and and what's going on with these guys and and working together on stage and what's going to be really interesting is is when these guys get together and start doing these shows because we have not played out live with Dimitri yet. You're going to see, you know, a whole a whole thing click and come together on stage for the first time in front of people. Okay. When you guys uh, set out
0: on tour, you're hitting up uh, the South and other parts of the U.S. Can you point out some of the geographical niches that you'll be focusing on? Like, say, um, you know how Florida is like stereotypical, the big death metal uh, part of America. Then you got Portland, black metal.
1: Right, right. I mean, well, this time going out. We're not really going to be hitting the deeper south and stuff like that pretty much we're skipping most of the south we're, we're planning on coming back and doing the south maybe sometime november you know when it's a little bit cooler down there and and, and see if we can get back through there at that time i mean we're going to be our, our our biggest markets right now besides like jersey pennsylvania stuff like that um the main ones are like texas california washington state Um, and Ohio right now where, where the band that's touring with us, Killing Sessions is from, you know, I mean, those are our big markets where we're expecting, you know, to do really well in those areas. So we'll see what happens, but man, I mean, the outlook looks good for us out there. For Texas,
0: how many parts of Texas are you going to be hitting?
1: Um, we're actually going to be hitting two shows in, in Texas going straight across I'm trying to remember. I don't have Dallas? it in my head. Mm, I don't think it's Dallas, you know, San Antonio. Could, you know what? I'm going to pull it up right now for you, so I can so I can tell you exactly where it's going to be. That'll be a lot easier than guessing. Excellent. Because uh, Texas, Texas is the one in my head that I, for some reason, never never have the exact places together. But all the rest I do. All right, here we go. Let's see. Um, we're going to be playing uh, the White Swan in Houston. And uh, Bombardier's in El Paso. And then when we're swinging back around to come home on the tour, we're going to be hitting up Arlington, Texas, too, as well. Oh, nice. Yeah, so it should be good times in Texas, that's for sure.
0: Now, what type of, um, or actually, how many dates is that band Incinerator from uh, the DFW part of Texas going to be on?
1: Um, They're going to be joining us for nine dates. Uh, As soon as we hit Texas, we're picking them up. They're jumping on the uh, the RV with us, ah. and then they're we're, they're gonna follow through with us until we come back into uh, into the last the last Texas show, which is in Arlington, and I think that's where they're from. So pretty much after that show, I think it's actually like a house show that they put together <sighs> for us, which should be pretty kick ass. Now,
0: for your album, what kind of promotional techniques were used to better get people to hear like the singles and stuff?
1: Well. All kinds of different stuff, man. Um, to, to go at it from a promotional standpoint, I mean, you know, of course you have your internet stuff and everything else, and, you know, everybody gets blocked out by the Facebook crap and everything. You know how that is. 50 year friends see it, you know, and, and everything else. So that's pretty difficult. But I mean, they're spread out over social media with, without a problem. Um, promotionally, um, I always make sure. Or We always make sure we get out to the local clubs and and hand out information that's going on with us. Um, I'm constantly out working and doing different festivals and shows within the area and outside of the area pushing their stuff. Um, We just picked up a track on uh, the new Fear Candy compilation from Terrorizer over in the U.K., um, I also have a couple people over in the UK and down in South America that are helping me push the record as well too. So and and now I'm also getting ready to branch out into a into a CD distributor over in Japan as well. So we're gonna see how things go. Would this be uh, Miki Toshi Matsuo of Rockstack Records? I, I I'm not you know I'm not <laughs> sure yet because yeah. right now it's it's the big company I'm dealing with that that deals with a lot of uh, like 89 percent of the record stores yeah. over there. And I don't know any names yet, yeah. but I'm basically going back and forth with, I guess, their their departments over there to figure out exactly mm. how I go about getting into that market. It's, it's a new thing for yeah. me working into the, the Japanese market. It's like a totally different yeah. aspect than it is over here in the U.S.
0: I know um, The Great Cat has worked with uh, Rockstack Records as well.
1: Cool, cool.
0: But um, what techniques did you use that were from physical mediums? Such as like handbills, like flyers, and getting stuff in like local magazines, like say the Village Voice, the Aquarian Weekly, things of that nature.
1: Well, I mean, locally, locally, it's not too hard if you get yourself out there and you have stuff in your hands and you get to the people and the places, you just do it. I mean, that's just part of the whole. That's just part of the whole thing. I mean, as far as as, as everything else, getting into the zines and stuff i mean aquarel zine right now um based down in peru um i just mailed out one of our cds to do a review for them today um you know uh, it's 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 just, it's a never-ending thing i mean it, it's it's constantly getting in touch with these different people um building your contacts and getting this stuff out there and with this tour a lot of that is, has as come to fruition or fruition excuse me because you know As you're going to do these shows, it's not good enough just to drive into a town and do a show. You know, you're sitting there booking the best local bands you can to try to build a following there. You're trying to find the local fanzines or zines to get out there to do reviews and interviews with you, as well as the local internet and regular radio stations and whatever else you can get to get get your name, the band's name, into people's mouths. Because I don't care what anybody says today word of mouth is still the best way to get your stuff out there because well i'll put it to you this way yeah say one of your best friends comes up to you and they hand you a cd and they say man you got to listen to this you're going to listen to it if somebody you just see something laying around and nobody recommends it to you it's it's very rare you're going to listen to it i mean you're probably going to take that cd definitely and you're going to listen to it and then you're going to tell people and they're going to tell people and it's still to me the word of mouth is, is, is a much better medium, and it's, it's just it, – it, it makes things happen. You know, it, it, you know it, it's like with music. It just keeps people together, you know, the, the whole unity thing. And that's, that's how I've always looked at it, man, you know.
0: Now, thinking back when uh, you were with your old band, Brutality, explain to me the importance of getting into a zine. What, what did that mean for you?
1: Getting into zines back then, um, good God. <laughs> Let me think for a minute. That was a while ago. <laughs> getting, Well, I mean, getting any publicity back then yeah. was, was important. I mean, whoever was willing to listen, I was willing to talk about it. You know what I mean? And, you know, it didn't matter where I had to go, what I had to do. That's just my mentality, you know, and... It wasn't. It wasn't difficult to get into zines back then either. I mean, because the scene wasn't as saturated as it is today. You know, um, things are things are so different. I mean, I could sit here probably for three hours, man, and, and go through with you how different it was in the eighties compared to now. You know, but the mentality I think today should still be the same when it comes to a band, what they want, what they're striving for, and what their goals are. You know, it's the same as it was in the 80s, you know. But getting into zines and, and doing college radio shows, I was just talking to you on the way yeah. in here. I mean, I did, Jesus, man, probably 20 different college radio shows. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and you know, it's, it's all necessary to, to get out there and, 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 and tell people what the hell's going on and what you're doing. You know, because if people like your music, they want to know what's going on with your music, what yeah. you're about, what you're doing, and, and uh, where you're going.
0: Now, back in the 1980s, did you feel like it was the college radio shows and zines that were pretty much getting out all the major news for the heavy metal community? Nope. Where'd you get it from then?
1: <laughs> Where'd I get it from? Shows. Shows, my friend. We would go to shows, I'll name places, like the Trocadero. The good old Empire Rock Club in Northeast Philadelphia. G. Willikers over in Penn I mean, JC Dobbs, the original back in the day. I mean, these were places where all your friends would go. There was an ambience there. When you went there, people were out in the parking lot. They were partying. They were hanging out. People all the bands were out passing out flyers. You were getting mixtapes. You were getting demos. You know, and everybody knew what was going on and you know when a bigger show would come up everybody would go to that show and it was cool to go to that show and hand out flyers and hand out demos and stuff today and i'm not trying to knock the trocadero don't get me wrong but you can't even stand outside the front door and hand out a freaking flyer today in front of the trocadero i mean it's it's getting outrageous today you know trying to get trying to get your music in the hands you know, of people that want to hear it. It's just so difficult. What makes it so difficult today? Well, I think there's a lot of different aspects. I mean, first of all, <laughs> this is my personal opinion, of course, and you don't have to listen to it, but this is my personal opinion. Um, I think, honestly, today there's way too many clubs out there that are, that are playing uh, the same genre of music on the same night. Um, there's way too much competition going on. Um, for the amount of people in the scene right now, I mean, I don't know about you, man, but if, if I look at my events or whatever, and I see that there's 10 metal shows going on on the same night within a 15-mile radius, I mean, you you've got to be kidding me. Sure, there's a lot of shows going on, but who's at those shows? The bands and their girlfriends. Yeah. You know what I mean? And maybe five fans are split between 15 different clubs, you know, and it just it just doesn't it just doesn't work and it makes it so much more difficult you know to to get people to come out because you're giving them so many choices i mean it, it's like if anthrax is playing here and testament is playing next door I, what do i do you know what i mean it's like one's going to go here and one's going to go there and it, it's going to be so split up that nobody ever gets to see everybody at once you know what i yeah. mean and, and I know there is a lot of good people in Philadelphia and Jersey and, and New York that are sitting there really working hard to bring, you know, good original music in the metal scene and, and other scenes, you know, and, and they're doing a good job of it. It's just a shame sometimes that I see some of these other clubs they that they don't even have professional sound systems. They have no lighting. They have, you know, nothing going on, which is which is fine and dandy. But, you know to compete with a professional club is is to me ridiculous. I mean, giving an example from from Philadelphia area of course I am. You know, like all these clubs in the northeast now that are that are playing original metal and stuff like that. In my day, I wouldn't have played one of those damn clubs if you paid me because they were all cover clubs. All of them were. Every single one of them except the Empire Rock Club was a cover club. Back in the day, you wouldn't catch a metal head dead in Northeast Philly at any of those clubs. And now it's like they're trying to make money. They're opening their doors to whatever will come in, and still the scene is dead. You know what I mean there? And it's a shame. I hate to see it. I mean, I would love to see more professional, well promoted, and booked shows going on in the area. I'd love to see bookers and promoters working together from other clubs. You know, to put on shows, maybe one this week, one that week, whatever. I mean, I'm not a booker or a promoter as far as a club goes, so I'm just talking my mind here. You know what I mean, Nick?
0: I see. Now, what do you feel like can be done to lessen this negative competition where it's like there's no way in hell you can have two or three really great bands playing the same night? What can people say – or due to the powers that be in the uh, metal community that are actually, like, the bookers and the promoters, where it's like, there's, there's no way in hell that, like, it, it just everybody loses out when you have, like, three really amazingly great shows on the same night. I mean, it's just, like,
2: well,
1: you it's know, a
0: lose-lose situation for everybody.
1: Well, I mean, yeah, you have, you have to pick and choose what shows you're going to and stuff like that, you know, and... You support what you can support. But, I mean, what can people do about it? I I honestly don't know what what regular people can do about it. I mean, I think a lot of it has to do with, uh, with the way clubs are today. A lot of clubs that I go to, you know, and it sucks because I wish I could find one, and I haven't been able to find one forever, a club that has ambience to it. When I walk into a club, it's somewhere I just want to be. I don't even care who the hell's playing there. It's just a cool place to hang out. Cool people are there all the time, regardless of who's playing. They just love the music, love the scene, and it's just a cool place to be. And I have not felt that, man, since probably, Jesus, man, probably since like 1994. I'm still looking for a place.
0: Okay, I'll tell you what, Sean. I give you a time machine right now. You can go back to 1994. Where are you hitting and why?
1: Uh, well, the Empire Rock Club would be the number one place I would hit, and I think they were still open in 94. God, I hope they were. <gasps> and and G Willikers was another one, man, that that just had that, that kind of ambience going on. I mean, I remember um, when a good friend of mine who used to work at Rock & Roll Plus down in Center City on South Street, Ann Bowman, um, she and a couple people brought over Sepultura for their first U.S. Mm-hmm. tour. And they they played the Empire Rock Club. was their first U.S. date ever. And it was really cool, man, because they ended up staying over at her house, you know, and, and we just all hung out with them. And, of course, they knew New, no English at the time. So it was pretty much like, you know, Metallica, 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 <laughs> you know. And I can't say the other word on air, but that's what they were saying. You know what yeah. I mean? And it was just really cool. The guys were great. They had a great time over here. But it was it was a time to to be there. I mean, to see Sepultura come to the US for the first time ever, you know, in Philadelphia, which was great. I mean I could dude, I could go through so many shows, you know, at The Empire and, and Willikers and the Trocadero from back in the day. Um, That were unbelievable, amazing, packed to the hilt, moshing was allowed, stage diving was allowed, you know, and guess what? Just about nobody got hurt. And if they came home with bumps and bruises, they did. And that was just what was expected. It was a good time. Everybody was friends. It just was, it was, it was a great time to be. I mean, and, and sadly, I, I don't see that coming back around. I just don't. I think it was a one-time thing where you're going to see that, that kind of thing. I mean, there's been a little bit of a thrash metal revival going on for a few years now. But, I mean, the music is wonderful. The scene sucks, but the music is wonderful. You know what I mean? It's, it's nice to see young guys getting out there and, and, and doing stuff like that.
3: What do you think
0: was the difference back in the day – where people would go to shows and, like, it wasn't cool to stomp somebody when they fell down. The thing you did was, like, you see somebody get knocked down. You go in, you rush in, and you pick them up, and you make sure, dude, are you okay?
1: Yeah. I, well, you don't see that now. No, I mean, that's the way it was. If somebody fell down, immediately three people were there to help pick you up. That was just the way it it, it was. You know, um, it's it just wasn't, it wasn't, a, the pit back then, and I don't call them circle pits because that's not what they were. They were called pits back in the day. And it was we were there to have a good time with friends. And if somebody fell or got hurt, they were picked right up. They were taken care mm-hmm. of. The only people that ever got hurt at the shows, honestly... Were the people that were so drunk that ended up getting punched in the face by security or the people that jumped off the stage and didn't pay attention where they were jumping and went straight to the floor. You know what I mean? Those those are pretty much the only people that got hurt at those shows.
0: Yeah, like just with me, I I decided to retire ever for all time, like uh, just crowd surfing because I saw this guy got dropped at a show. I'm not going to name the venue, but I
1: mean like was crowd surfing – safer back then well crowd surfing was a little bit safer back then just because there was more people at the shows to surf yeah. you around um i mean i i could honestly say there was a few times that i think I, I i jumped a little bit too far and went over the front of the crowd and and landed on the floor but yeah. you know hey it's all in good fun but um but yeah i mean crowd surfing then i mean i, I have to be honest i haven't crowd surfed probably since Jesus, man. Probably since, like, 96, 97. So I really can't sit here and say what crowd surfing's like today. I could say what I see, but as a personal experience, I can't really say. I see. Now, getting back to uh, the Condition Critical
0: album. Sure. Now, with the uh, song Random Acts of Killing... You had a, a sample on it. It's like, you know, you're all going to die. Where's that sample from? And can you explain the process a band goes through to acquire the rights to use something like that on a recording?
1: <laughs> oh, we have to require rights for that? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Um, well, I mean, the, the clip the clip's from Billy Madison. Um, it's, it's the part when they put the dog crap in front of the door and the old man comes out, you know, and, and yeah. is screaming at him and stuff like that. I mean, there's, there's, there's a, a simple process you can go about to do that. I mean, the first way you can go about doing it is you can go directly to the, uh, the, 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 films, the film's copyright holders, and you can ask them if you can use it. Sometimes they'll allow you to use it for free. Sometimes they won't. Um, the easiest way to do it is to pay a flat fee to use how many ever seconds it is, whatever they charge. I mean, there is some bigger bands, I mean, that if it's something where they think your band is going to sell a million records, they're probably going to charge you a certain amount per record of the sale, maybe one or two cents. I don't know. But a lot of it's just done, done separately, mm-hmm. where it's a straight payment to, to use it. I see. Now,
0: you have physical album, physical copies of your album, obviously. How do you think the cover art by Ed Repka turned out? And what did you instruct him to t- what was the original uh, advice you gave to Ed Repka?:
1: Well, I mean the 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 album art came out excellent. I mean, as as good as we could have expected. Um, now here's a story for you. Originally, when we contacted uh, Ed, we had sat there and said that we wanted to have the the Doctor. Critical, which is the main guy on the cover with the nurse, and originally, we were going to have, uh, we thought we were going to have a second section to it that actually had the band members looking all torn up and beat up in, like, a waiting room, waiting to go in and be operated on next. That's what we were going to do. Of course, until we found out that was an extra charge that was way (laughs) above our budget. Yeah. So, we ended up not going with that and just sticking with the main idea that we had in the beginning. But as far as, as, as... the concept goes you know from from concept to the actual album yeah. cover it's exactly what the guys were looking for i mean the main thing they were like is don't put any buildings in it we don't want any <laughs> nuclear explosions in it yeah you know that, that was the big thing damn you're making me think of
0: like the peace cells cover or something like that
1: <laughs> people have said that to me they're like that looks like the dude from the, i'm like eh, the same artist you know so, yeah
0: <laughs> now what is the song sector 16 about
1: good lord don't ask me you gotta ask alonzo that question (laughs) i'm not i'm not gonna go into what what the reasons he 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 wrote his his stuff or what what it's about i mean you know you can go over the lyrics and and figure that out but i'll let him answer that hopefully we can get him in here pretty soon you can you know do some work with uh work with talking to him and picking his brain on that stuff well
0: on that note let's check out sector 16 sounds good bro And we just heard a double shot of Condition Critical with, let's see...
1: Yes, we did.
0: Sector 16 and Shock Therapy. There you go. Now, what would you say are the three biggest heavy hitter songs on this album?
1: In my opinion, I think Random Acts, Parasitic Torment, and Gravitational Dismemberment. Those, those are my my three picks. I mean... Those are my three picks. Yeah, yeah. That's those. those are the three that, that I like the most personally.
0: I see. Now, who did you use to produce the album?
1: Um, well, I mean, the band mostly produced their stuff down there. Um, I helped out on little things, but I didn't play much of a part really in producing the record. Um, but but the the Brian our the our engineer helped the guys like I was saying before like help them. Really, really craft their sound and and get it, get get what they were trying to put down on the record.
0: I see. Now, with your band, I mean, with Condition Critical, what do you see as the typical set list at shows?
1: Um, the the typical set list right now. I mean, the set list that that we're thinking of going with uh on the tour actually I could I could pull that up for you right now I think let me see if I can get my phone to work um because we were just actually discussing this the other day or they were discussing it the other day and uh let me pull it up hold on there was two different set lists that we were going through one was uh one was one that Alonzo was talking about and the other one was one that Mike was talking about if I can get them to come up on my phone because service in here sucks yeah.
0: Know. <laughs> Welcome to uh, Montclair State University.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely, man. I hear that. I mean, I, I, I definitely know um, all the songs on the CD are going to be on the set list. And I know Time Wave Zero is definitely going to be played um, on the tour, as well as I, I think pretty much everything is. I mean, and they may even throw in a cover on certain nights. Who knows? Um, something either maybe by Demolition Hammer or by Slayer. We'll have to figure that out as it comes around, you know. But uh, I know definitely uh, the album will be on there and, and the demo. I mean, all the songs will be available when we go on tour for, for being played.
0: Have you been uh, discussing yet um, releasing um, Operational Hazard onto different mediums besides the CD, like, say, getting out uh, old-school cassettes or vinyl?
1: Yeah, I mean, we've we've looked, or I've I've looked into it. I've looked into uh, doing doing vinyl for the guys with the Operational Hazard record. Um, we're gonna see how, how, how things work out coming back from tour, how money is, and everything else. I mean, so far looking into it for like five for like five hundred records, you know, done right and everything. Pro- probably looking close close to like. Eighteen hundred to two thousand dollars. So it's definitely something we want to do. Yes, it's just a matter of getting to that point where we can do it. So hopefully, yes, hopefully we'll have like glow in the dark yellow <laughs> vinyl that just is is badass. You know what I mean? So yeah. that that that's what we we would love to do. You know, and hopefully we'll make that happen as soon as we get back from touring.
0: Now, what is a more expensive option? Making picture discs. Or just your standard black vinyl.
1: I would think making picture discs. I, I, I mean, but there's different costs. I mean, if you get a picture disc, it depends on how you do it. I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna put it in a jacket, it's gonna be full color and everything else. Or are you just gonna put it in, like a gem clear sleeve, you know, and sell it like that? I mean, there's there's all different ways now to do vinyl. You can even mix your colors. You can have like a starburst on your vinyl, um, but. No matter how you're looking at it, vinyl's going to cost you money. It just is. That's why when you're going out to shows, you're seeing, you know, bands selling these vinyls for like $30, $35 a piece, you know, just trying to recoup some of the costs that they're putting out there. But um, uh, as, as far as, as actually sitting down and, and throwing you a number on which one's more expensive, I really don't know. I'm sort of guesstimating that I would think the picture disc would be a little bit more expensive as long mm-hmm. as it's put together as a full package you know, and not just put into a sleeve. But uh, I guess I'll find out within the next month or two exactly <laughs> what it costs, and I'll let you know. <laughs> I see.
0: Good answer. Now, Incinerator was on the first uh, condition-critical show ever at uh, the Meat Locker organized by uh, Zamboni frontman Chris Butera. There also was a uh, bomb scare and terrorist from San Antonio, Texas. Have you had any contact with terrorists in recent
1: days? Not that I know of. Another question you have to ask those guys. Yeah. I mean, um, we did do a show up at the Archeron uh, a little bit ago up in New York, and Bombscare did show up for that one, just to hang out and stuff. Really cool guys. Um, Incinerator, of course, we'll be seeing on tour in a few, like, what, a week? Week yeah. and a half, something like that. Um, as far as the other guys, I'm not sure. Um, I wasn't even there when Condition Critical did their first shows um, at the Meat Locker and stuff. So I don't know too much about it. You'll definitely have to ask those guys on that one.
0: I see. Just like terrorists, they're from San Antonio. Okay. And um, with me, like and Texas, it's kind of like I remember meeting somebody at my gym that was saying Texas is like five states in one, and it's just like every time I hear two or three cities in Texas, I think, Wow. They all must be, like, 300 miles apart. So it's like, how can you go from one city to another and have friends in different cities?
1: Dude, I'll tell you, man. I mean, uh, Texas is a big state to drive across or to drive up and down. I, I, I've i done it before, and it is huge. It just is, you know, unless you're going across the very tippy-top of it. But, you know, otherwise, it's a long drive, man. If you think Pennsylvania is long to drive across, go drive across Texas. <laughs>
0: I see now, have you heard of any of the other bands that condition critical is going to be hitting up with besides incinerator?
1: Um, I've heard of some of them sure yeah. um mike, mike 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 dreyer the bass player um pretty much was doing and doing most of the work with that was setting up the local bands that were going to be opening up for us so again you would have to refer to him definitely um, I don't I, I do have a list but I don't have the list in front of me exactly who we're playing with in, in the different states but I, I do know that every band that we have put on the local shows with us have just been great I mean they're they're down they're promoting they're out there you know building the hype. For not for not just themselves, but for us and the tour as well. And it's 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 been refreshing to see a lot of these younger bands, you know, really step up and try to try to make things happen in their local scenes. Now, when do you see
0: a time when like some of these uh southern bands that you guys are gonna be performing with are gonna be uh hitting up shows uh with condition critical in, say, Philly, like Trenton, New Jersey? New York City, five boroughs area and maybe um hitting up Poughkeepsie and places like that.
1: Well, I mean when we get out there on the road with a lot of these bands, we're gonna be making a lot of new contacts, you know, relationships with these guys, business wise, friends wise, all this different stuff. I mean, that's just like the voltage show we're doing on July twentieth in Philadelphia. You know, we weren't sure who we were gonna put on there with us. Um I did I did wanna put Flesh Engine on there. they are they're a good band great friends of mine um where are they from from philadelphia the philadelphia mm-hmm. area and you know the reason we found other bands to play on that were from playing shows up around new york you know carcinogens coming down to be on that bill uh surgical strike's going to be on that bill you know um both both bands one band we had never seen before we did a show with them and they're young kids. And condition critical, the guys were, were totally blown away by these young kids. They're like, wow, we got to put these guys on a show with us. So, you know, that's the kind of stuff we like to do. You know, and I mean, people have done it for us. You know, bigger yeah. bands have done it for us. Like when when we did the Lich King CD release, those guys were like, yeah, we want you to come up here and play the show. And we did. And, you know, it's it, that's what it's all about. It's, it's all about these bands networking, getting places, helping each other, you know get where they need to be today it's, it's just it's it's nice to see you know when 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 bands sit there and they don't forget where they came from or, or how they got to where they are and they still put their hands back in the scene to help help local guys out to get where they need to be
0: so like in the current musical scene who do you see as some of the other major heavy hitters besides condition critical
1: that's a good question i'm always looking for them <laughs> But, um, I mean, as far as new bands in the States, I don't know. I mean, it, it took me almost two years to, to find Condition Critical, to find yeah. a band that I, I really thought, you know, had, had what it took in, in that genre, you know, to get things done. Um, and and I, I hear a lot of different stuff. And there's a lot of great bands out there. And honestly... I wish I had the time to sit there and listen to them all and and really stay yeah. in, that involved but it's just there's there's only so much time in the day and and most of it is spent on you know building the bands that are on my label right now. I mean there is one band who I I heard a little bit ago. Well actually there's a couple. I mean heavy hitters in the Philadelphia area. Yeah. I mean the, the scene is so rough in the Philadelphia area. I mean, to consider a band a heavy hitter, is it like what I like or is it like what I'm seeing going on in the scene with them? You know what I mean? Because if it's if, if you're asking me like what I'm seeing going on in the scene with them, I don't see a heavy hitter in Philadelphia in the metal industry right now. I just don't see it. You know what I mean? Now, if, if you want me to sit here and talk about what I like musically, like what I think should be a heavy hitter in the scene. Go on uh let's see well as new bands coming out i mean there's a lot a lot of new bands coming out i mean let's see uh i mean midnight hellion from over here in jersey is is a really good band they're good at what they do um uh, like i was saying before flash engine good stuff thank you my friend Flesh engines, definitely good stuff. Uh, And uh, Dave Orkin and his brother Paul and all those guys. I was just out in Ohio with them at uh, Warriors of Metal. I mean, Sick Trust is, a, is another great bunch of guys that are out there pushing their stuff in the scene all over the place. You know, it's like I hate to start naming bands because there's so many that I'm yeah. friends with, and I know I'm going to forget about 10,000 of them. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and, and no disrespect, guys, for real. I mean, you know who you are. You know, you know what you're doing. You know you're out there yeah. working hard and, and, and trying to get stuff done, and I always respect that, you know. Um But man, I mean, to really sit there and be like a heavy hitter, like to me a heavy hitter is a band who's playing the Trocadero that doesn't have to sell tickets and there's 800 people showing up. That to me is like a heavy hitter in Philadelphia. And as far as metal goes, I just don't see it. I don't see it right now. And it sucks because I really, really want to see it. You know what I mean? Yeah.
0: You you kind of alluded that he thinks there's heavy hitters out internationally. Well, at least that's what I got. You're saying maybe not over here, but maybe.
1: Well, I mean, there there is there. There's bands out there that I think have the potential, you know, to to to, to get to get a lot larger and more more involved than in what they are. I mean, for me, you know, a, a band. A, if you're going to sit here and talk about a band that has success. You you really want to talk about a band that can go out there play in front of eight hundred to twelve hundred people a night, a band that's paying for itself. You know what I mean? That that that's what they do for a living. You know, and right now that's rare. It's rare in the metal community right now, at least in the thrash metal community, and, and stuff like that. I mean, go talk to. Almost any any of the guys in the newer school thrash bands, and ask them what their day jobs are, and I'm sure they'll tell you. You know, I mean, I still have a day job. Yeah. You know, besides running my, my my label right now, trying to get to that next level where I don't have to do that anymore. Yeah. But you know, it's 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 very difficult and it's very different. I mean, give you an idea, like the older school bands that still come out and do stuff mm. like you know Testament, Slayer, whatever. Um, I was working. Up in New York at the last Testament show that came through, which was with Overkill and, uh, and Forearm, if you ever heard of them. They're uh, yeah. a metal band from over in Australia. And I think Flotsam and Jetson was on that, too. I'm pretty sure. And I was working that night for Overkill, you know, working, you know, helping with merch like that. Oh, excuse me. But stuff <laughs> like that up there. And um, that night, Forearm was selling merch next to me. That night we sold for Overkill. I don't know, fourteen, seventeen thousand dollars in merchandise. Forearm sold eight dollars worth of merchandise all night. That's brutal. Yeah, and they're coming from Australia. You know who's paying for that? You know what I mean? It's just like <laughs> yeah, Overkill's from down the street. You know what I mean? It's yeah. just, but that's that's what I see a lot a lot happening is you know the older bands are still getting so much recognition, but nobody's willing to reach out to give a lot of these younger bands a chance. You know what I mean? They go with the tried and true instead of sitting there going, well, let's see what else is out there. And, 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 and you know, let's support that. You know what I mean? And I don't know why. It might just be, you know, the, the age of the, the listener. Because today, I mean, really, when you're talking about thrash metal and stuff like that, most of your fan base is at usually between 25 to 45. that, that yeah. that's like your main your main base. you know and, and, and when you're dealing with a base like that, you're dealing with people that have responsibilities. You're dealing with people that have children. you're dealing with people that have full-time jobs that you know will are, will go with the tried and true and they'll go to the bigger shows but they just don't have the time to get out to these smaller shows. You know, they pick and choose to what they can get to. And honestly, a lot of them just sit there and they say, well, I know this. I know this is going to be great. I'm spending my money to see that. I'm not going to this because I don't know what the hell I'm going to get. You know what I mean? And it's just, it's, it's, it's a messed up mentality to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I'm just, I'm just trying to think, you know, like like a normal person would. Because I'm not normal, of course, but like a normal person would, um, you know, with with, you know, music as being something they do for fun, not as a business or not as a lifestyle. You know what I mean? Pretty much.
0: Yeah. I mean, um, it's just you go to these concerts and it's like nobody's supporting that first opening band.
1: Oh, We could get into things about that. (laughs) want to get into things about that. All right. (laughs) who who here loves when you walk in to a club there's five bands playing of course always five maybe seven you never know today but anyway you walk in there's five bands playing first band plays they're done they walk out the door and their fans walk out with them second band plays they walk out the door i cannot tell you how many times i would love to have had a baseball bat just to beaten the hell out of these people, because I just do not understand how you can go in, play a show and not support the other bands because you know, it's, it's not even about supporting the other bands. It's just about creating that scene. It's about yeah. creating. I mean, I don't know about you, man. I mean, in, in, in my band, when I went to a show, I was there early and I was there till it closed. That was just the way it was. And you had to kick me the hell out of the bar. You know what I mean? That's just how it was. I wanted to be there. This is what I wanted to do. It wasn't like, okay, I'll go do my show. Now I got better things to do. You know what I mean? And I see that so much, man. It's 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 very frustrating. You know, to see bands go out there. It's like they do it they 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 do it for the wrong reasons, I think. Maybe. This is my my opinion again, you know. I think some of these bands aren't willing to really sit there and pay the dues that need to be paid. They're not willing to make the sacrifices that need to be made. Because honestly, I don't care if you have to go to work at five o'clock in the morning the next day. You know what? If you can't handle that, then you shouldn't be in a band. You know, as a good friend of mine told me, just because you can play the guitar doesn't mean you should play the guitar for a band. You know what I mean? I mean, it, explain it takes, that. It takes more. What do you mean by that? It takes more... Well, we see this all the time now. It takes a lot more than just picking up a guitar and learning how to play it if you want to be successful in a band. I mean, how many times have you gone to a show? When's the, Let me ask you this, Nick. Yeah. When's the last time you went to a show and you just were blown away by, like, the stage show? You were like, wow, these guys have energy. They're having fun. They make, they make me forget what time it is. It's a rarity. Nine times yeah. out of ten... Dude, I'll see a guitarist that is unbelievable. But when he goes into a lead, instead of walking towards the front of the stage, he walks towards the back. (laughs) And I'm sitting here going, are you kidding me? I'm like, you know, people forget. This, people are paying to come in and be entertained. They're paying to come in to see a show. They're paying to come in to lose all the crap going on in their life and have a good time. If you're just going to stand on stage... Like you're at a practice session, then maybe that's where you should be—is home practicing and not on stage. You know, anybody, anybody can stand up, you know, and 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 do what they do on stage if, if if they play an instrument. That's fine and dandy, but to get up there, have and really have fun doing what you're doing, or have that attitude, because that's what I always say. You know, the, it's it's the attitude you're looking for on stage. That's what rock and roll is. You can sit there, you can play a chord, and another guy can play a chord, and you know what? That guy playing the chord over there, the same chord you just played, could play it in a way that makes you feel like, man, that was badass. You know what I mean? And, and, and a lot of it just has to do with that. And I, 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 I don't see that as much as I'd like to, you know, in clubs in, in, in clubs and venues today. I mean, you still see guys coming out from the old school bands that are like fifty years old that are running across stages, and you know, I'll, I'll go up to a band and it'll be it'll be a band playing locally, and they'll ask me something like, "So, Sean, you know, be honest, man, what did you think?" You know, and I'll say, "Well, he's looking at his hands too much, the drummer is playing off time, the singer is singing out of key in places." and you're not moving around enough on stage. And they'll be like, "What's well, a small stage. I said, well, who the hell told you you have to stay on the stage? You know what I mean? It's, do, do what you have to do to make people remember you. You know, that's what it's about. You know, it's, it's about going on stage, playing, playing your heart out, you know, and creating emotion, creating moments that people remember. Because when you create that kind of thing going on in a club or wherever you're playing, you know, and, and, you cha- and, you, and, you, and you push that emotion out to your fans, what happens is your fans sit there and they go, wow, you know, I really felt that. And they say to themselves, how can I get that feeling again? Well, come over to the merch table, buy our CD or come out to our yeah. shows. You know, I mean, it, it's to me, to me, it's pretty simple, really, what's involved, you know, to get it done. The hard part is to do all the aspects at once as a musician. Yeah. Thus, I was saying, just because you can play the guitar doesn't mean you should be in a band because there's more than just playing the guitar involved in, in, you know, in making yourself into being a successful band member or a successful band. Can you break
0: down um, some of the things you, I guess, were meaning to say when you said paying your dues? What does that really mean?
1: hang your dues. Yeah. Well, break it down for people. Okay. Number 1, get over yourself. Get over the ego and sit down and realize that you know, well, not realize. I mean, hopefully you know this. This is something that you love to do, you know, and you have fun doing it. That's the beginning. I mean, first you have to love what you do and you have to have fun doing it or what's the point? You know what I mean? Um You need to get out there in front of people. You need to play the crappy shows to get your name out there. You need to build your fan base by getting out into the scene, handing out flyers, meeting potential fans, hanging out with bands, building relationships. You know, I love it when a band will come up to me and be like, well, how come we didn't get on that show? And I'll sit there because, well, if your band's name isn't in somebody's mouth, they're not even going to think of you. They're going to think of some other band that is fresh in their mind. You know, that's why it's so important to keep your name in people's mouths. And you do that by being involved and being out in the scene. You know, I mean, I can't tell you how many times, you know, I, I used to go out and be par- partying with people. And the next thing you know, they're showing up at the shows. They're like, oh, that dude's cool as hell. We're going to go to the show just because I hung out and had a couple beers with him. I used to go down to Veteran Stadium. Yes, I am that old. Veteran Stadium back in the day. And my drummer and I would go down there, no lie, would hand out 15,000 flyers for a show. (laughs) 15,000 with our personal phone numbers on them. You know? And and it's like even if 1% shows up, 150 people are showing up. You know what I mean? It's like you have to have the mentality to just get out there, um, make a name for yourself, you know and there's going to be sacrifices along the way and that's all part of paying your dues you know you you may have to sit sit down and 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 not take a certain job you know what i mean to to follow your dream or you may have to separate yourself from certain things to follow your dreams you know what i mean and that's that's what it's all about you know it's 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 about you know making sacrifices you know, paying your dues and just just getting out there because, you know, a band that just comes up and pops on the scene and has an ego. Nobody respects that. Nobody respects that. I mean, you know, people aren't stupid. You know, people coming out the shows aren't dumb. They, they can tell they can tell who who is out there doing what they're supposed to do and who isn't. You know, it's, it's funny because I was just talking to a girl about this the other day and she was telling me, I'm not going to name the band or anything, but um, she was telling me all about it, that uh, there was a, a band that she loved, favorite band for like two or three years, favorite band, bought everything they had. She went out to see them and the singer was walking through the crowd and she was like, oh, hey, how you doing? I love your band, this and that. He was just like, get the hell away from me and pushed her out of the way. Mm-hmm. Immediately, she was like, "I will never buy another thing. I will never see this band play again." And this band, these, this band was not even a big act, you know. But the ego was there, you know. And and e- ego is fine if you've earned it, you know what I mean? You know, it's it's like a lot of people got have to understand, you know. You need to you need to keep yourself grounded, keep your head level, yeah. Be humble. And just get out there and do what you love. And hopefully, everybody else will love what you do. You know what I'm saying?
0: <laughs> On that no. let's listen to Gravitational Dismemberment.
1: Hell yeah.
3: Let's it,
0: And we're back. That was gravitational dismemberment by Condition Critical from their new album, Operational Hazard. Yes, sir. Do you expect all like the uh, demo songs from the Bread to Kill album to be performed uh, when uh, Condition Critical is playing every single night, or do you expect like there's going to be like a main set list with like three or four maybes?
1: Well, you know, I'm one of those hard-ass guys where I'm just going to go out there and I'm going to demand they do it. No, I'm only kidding. I'm <laughs> only kidding. No, I mean, yeah. I-, I think um, they're probably going to play at least one or two songs off of the demo on each show of the tour. I don't know how they're going to mix it up in the set list yet, but I'm pretty sure a lot of the nights I think we're going to be closing out with uh, Time Wave Zero, I think, if if that's what I remember correctly from the set list.
0: No. How many minutes do you expect condition critical to be averaging each night?
1: I would say forty or forty five minutes that's what I'm thinking um Alonzo better get his storytelling straight <laughs> so when he's on stage no nah, I'm only kidding i mean i mean with 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 the with the eight songs on the record and the demo and a cover thrown in here and again um if time allows you know between between sets and between the set and stuff i think i think that'll be fine probably between 40 and 45 minutes i'm pretty sure
0: now um pretty much condition critical will be pretty much like headlining these shows
1: yeah i mean we're going to be headlining uh... all the shows i'm pretty sure except except for what we have to see still we're just talking about that Witch haven deal going on uh... we're supposed to be playing unit b but it was closed down and I believe that they're in the midst right now of looking for a new venue or a new show for us to play. Yeah. I think that's the only one that we are not headlining.
0: So likely Witch Haven would headline that show? I'm pretty sure, yeah. Yeah. What have you heard about the Portland Oregon show?
1: The Portland Oregon Show. Which club is that?
0: Um, I don't know. Your cell phone knows though.
1: Yeah, I'll find out. <laughs> Hold on. Sorry. Let me find out exactly. I think I know the name, but I don't want to say it wrong, just in case. Portland, Oregon show. Oh, that's at the tour The Tour club. I, I just know we're playing there. And mm-hmm. I, I know it's on the 1st of August. <laughs> right now, actually, like, yeah. with what's in my head, that's, that's all I really know right now. Um, but I, I do know there's going to be some a couple i think 3 or 4 local bands on that one you know i'm i'm not exactly sure i remember at one point we were having a problem booking booking there and mm. um we had gone back and forth about finding you know cuz basically the club said well it's up to you guys to find the local bands for the show
0: oh dude I, I i have some suggestions
1: yeah well it's funny because yeah. we were like well, we're only about 3,600 miles away. Don't know a damn soul there. So don't you know who we should be booking yes. at the show? You know what I mean? And I'm pretty sure over time and research, we had found out who to put on there. But we're always up for suggestions. If there's yeah. any suggestions you'd like to make in case there's extra space on there or yeah. you know something like that, we definitely take it into consideration to contact them.
0: Well, speaking of Witch Haven, one of the former members, Gethsemane, from taking over, he had some really wild recommendations. This band, I just love their name because it's just so horrifically offensive. You can't not love them. Cemetery Lust. I mean, just listen to that. How can it not be awesome with such an offensive name?
1: Oh, I know. There's, there's been a. I, I got to throw two names out there. I just yeah. got the other day in in a uh, and R. I got uh, what was it? Um, Methadone abortion clinic. <laughs> And here's the best one of all, Queef Huffer. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, I was like, well... Where are they from? Oh, God, I don't know. I think they're from Jakarta, probably, or something like that. But I was like, well, mainstream, definitely not. But (laughs) you could definitely go have some pretty cool merch for Queef Huffer. You know what I mean? Yeah. (laughs) But you were saying, you were saying.
0: Yeah, like, um, those guys, Cemetery Lust... um, they have this album out called Screams of the Violated, and it's just really, really amazing Black trash. I mean, if you dig Witch Haven or, like, Old Bathory okay. or, like, I guess maybe Mayhem, too, I mean, you, you'd you really love these guys.
1: Cool. Well, I mean, definitely definitely send, send me the name to my Facebook, mm-hmm. man, or, or an email, and I'll definitely check them out, and I'll send it over to Mike, too, to take a look at it. I mean, I'd say...
0: In the really underground channels on the West Coast, that's a band I'd point to to look at. Like two, three years from now, they may find themselves on like interesting uh, festivals like the Northwestern Black Circle Fest that uh, Witch usually finds themselves booked on.
1: Okay, cool. Cool. Yeah, there's a lot of interesting festivals that go on nowadays. Yeah. (laughs) That's for sure. Go ahead.
0: Has Condition Critical been um, trying to work on acquiring um, any time on any uh, festivals coming up this year?
1: Not yet. I mean, honestly, I, I think I still think we're building. We're still building demand for Condition Critical right yeah. now. I mean, I'm sure pulling tons of strings and all kinds of stuff might have got them on something here or there, but you know, I want them to be at at that level you know what i mean like yeah i i i i want to try to definitely get them on maryland death fest coming up next year um the same thing with the hardcore fest up in uh, boston or up, yeah. up that way i want to get i want to try to get them on that and maybe something uh out uh towards maybe somewhere in the midwest i mean and and hopefully hopefully we'll be doing some stuff down in south america before uh let me see january february maybe the beginning of next year uh, wow. for shows. I mean, we've been talking to some people down there about some things, you know, and of course we always want to get overseas, but it's just a matter of getting to that point, you know Because yeah. I mean? it is not cheap to get overseas, that's for sure. Yeah,
0: and also it's just, you got to watch how the American dollar is doing too because it's just like, it must be great being at like a European band coming over here because just like the dollar is just not what it used to be. I mean, like, I remember when I was in Japan, it was like 130 yen to the dollar, and that's kind of like, you take a look at a $100 bill, but it actually somebody threw in another $30 for every single $100 bill you have. Wow. Whereas, let's say the yen is around 70 yen. It's like somebody, like, beat you up and took $30 out of every $100 you had. And, and that's people don't realize that, like, when you start adding up those numbers in terms of currency, exchanges, that becomes really difficult for, like, one band to go to another country to perform at. And that's one of the major reasons why there aren't more international acts appearing.
1: Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's, there's so much involved with it. I mean, you know, besides visas and, you know, your passports and you know, you have your cost of, of just your flights, you know, and then w- once you get there, you know, you have to find places to stay, which is usually the easy part, finding places to stay. People hook you up with places yeah. to stay. But, you know, you have to rent your equipment over there, you know, because you can't fly your equipment. I mean, unless you're a huge band making a hell of a lot of money. I mean, pretty much when you get over there, you have to rent rent whatever equipment you're going to use or borrow, you know. But, you know, the, the main cost is... Just flying over there and having transportation to get around where you have to get, you know. And a lot of these festivals, you know, it's funny because if they don't see you traveling, they won't even look into you. Like as a new band, they'll be like, well, why should we book them? They probably can't get here anyway. You know what I mean? Um, that's why it's like this This tour coming up is so important because building, building up that... You know, reputation of getting out there and, and following through and, and doing all these things are just things that build the band more and make them more marketable, you know, to bigger things. And, and you know, it's, it's like I said before, it's just getting in front of people, man. It's getting in front of people and just getting your stuff out there and pushing it and pushing it and pushing it, you know, and it just takes time. Like anything, you know, everybody, everybody always wants something to happen really quick for them. They want to write a song and put it, up, put it up on iTunes, and it's the next big viral sensation. Well, that happens maybe one out of, what, 30 million that gets put up, you yeah. know? Um, whereas I'm one of the guys that if that happens, that's great, But, but, you know, there's a certain order and a certain way to do things, you know, and if you skip... Sooner or later, you're going to have to go back and go over that again to get it right. So I'd rather, like with me, take time, sit down, do it right, you know, or to the best of my ability, you know, um, try to put out the best products I can for the bands that I work with. And, you know, really, really push them and give them that opportunity, you know, to take it to that next level you know i'll take them as I'll, I'll take them as far as i can take them and as far as they want to go you know what i mean um as long as the band is is on board and willing to work just as hard as i am to do it i'm down you know but if the band isn't willing to work hard on their own careers then why should i be doing it for them you yeah. know what i mean so it's it's a you scratch my back i scratch yours type thing and you know we're we're each building each other up you know, when one of us falls, it affects both of us. Yeah. You know, and and that's the way that's the way I I pretty much do business with my label. You yeah. know, I look at it like, you know, I look at it almost like I'm a fifth member of the band or a fourth member of the band or yeah. whatever, you know, and uh, you know, that that's why as well as that I, I only work with with two bands right now because I feel that at this point that's all i have time and and money for you know i I don't i don't want to bring on a band that i can't give the proper time and attention to because it wouldn't be fair it wouldn't you know i I would if a band somebody approaches me with a band then i can't do anything for them i'll push them in the right direction yeah to see if i can get something moving for them you know but I, i i i definitely focus most of my stuff on on getting it done Almost like in an old school way with the new school twist, you know, um, working hard, tried and true, making sacrifices, making investments, both with my time and my money. Um, And just, you know, really believing in what I'm putting out there and 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 pushing it to the best of my ability, you know, not just putting out a CD on a website and saying, there you go, guys, your CDs out. Have fun with it. You know, I could, dude. I could do that. I could sit there and take 50 bands right now, put them on my label's website, yeah. and just say, "Have at it." You know, and I just don't think that's the way it should be done. I, yeah. I think the way it should be done is, is you know, promotion, advertising, marketing. You know, actually, you know, putting. I hate to say it, man, but. You have to put out money if you want results. You know, a lot of people do things for free for people today, and that's great. You know, but when people do things for you for free, you can't complain. You know what I mean? You just can't. You know, and I never have a problem paying somebody to do something as long as they do, and they do it well. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's That's never been an issue for me. But... You know a, a lot a lot of these bands always always say that you know say say to me all the time they're like well I can get that done for free over there I'm like well have a good time and good luck with it you know what I mean hopefully it works for you you know for me when money's involved commitments involved you know when free stuff is involved that's helping helping yeah. is great I love when people help but I need yeah I, I need my bands the people that I work with to be committed to what's going on
0: and also with money that's involved professionalism is involved too Right. whereas like you get something done for free you're you're probably dealing with somebody that's an amateur
1: right right i mean it's funny because i've i you know i work with a lot of different local people and i've also worked with a lot of different national people from like bigger agencies and it's funny because you know i i say this an awful lot and people who know me will definitely remember me saying this um, the biggest thing I can't stand is when I'm dealing and doing business with somebody, is when they can't separate uh, personal from professional, you know. And I and I find that a lot, like below the national scene, where it's like, if something goes wrong, somebody's telling me how bad their day was. Well, honestly, I could care less how your day went. This is what needed to be done. Why wasn't it done? Yeah. Yes or no. Do it or don't. Just yeah. let me know because I'll move on. You know what I mean? And it's funny because when I'm working with somebody, yeah. at, like say at Rocklahoma, or I'm working with somebody on a much bigger event somewhere else, I'll walk up and they'll say, so, Sean, this is how it is. This is what it costs. Yes or no. Do it. Make the decision now. Yes. No. And if I say no, they're next person. It's like there's no, there's no bull crap. You know what I mean? Yeah. There just isn't. It's just straightforward, black and white, and that's more or less how I really like to do business. Is like that, you know. The gray areas are always there sometimes, you know. But that's what contracts are for. Yeah. But um, but I, I dealing dealing with people that are are more black and, and white with their decision making process makes everything go so much easier. It really does.
0: But how many years did it take you to really get the hang? of, like, the language involved in contracts?
1: That's what lawyers are for. No, I'm <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I went I went to school for, uh, for specialized business, for entertainment and everything else, and I took courses in the stuff and everything else. But, I mean, as far as the basic lingo goes with the contract, I mean, I can read it and, and, and understand the gist of what's going on, But, I mean, I also do have an entertainment attorney. Yeah. So when contracts do come through, I'm, of course, going to have him go over it, you know, instead of just, you know, with me or by himself and let me know exactly what is going on. I mean, because, I mean, it it all depends, man, what what the contract is coming through. I mean, if it's a simple booking contract with percentages and stuff like that, that's fine and dandy. But if, you know, I'm approaching somebody... With a a record contract or a licensing agreement or a publishing agreement, you know, you're talking, it could be anywhere between a four to six to eight page document that specifies, (laughs) excuse me, everything down to the last percentage point (laughs) over a certain period of time, getting split up amongst maybe six different people. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's, it's something that. I mean, I'm not a lawyer. I didn't go to law school. And I definitely want to make sure that all my bases are covered. My artist bases are covered, yeah. you know, and, and everybody's and everybody's rights are pretty much covered with everything that they're trying to do. Yeah. You know, but um, legal lingo, like I said, simple contracts, I can look over and deal with. But anything that has to do with uh with 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 major, major numbers and. And uh, percentages, and and more than more than like dealing with one or two people on a contract, I definitely would have my lawyer look it over. Or if I was putting out the contract, I would have my lawyer draw it up. You know, that's just yeah. the bottom line. I see. Now, any?
0: Do you ever come across things that, with like uh, copyright um, issues like? I mean, like, permanently transferring copyright from one individual to another? Do you deal with that very often
1: in contracts? Um, well, I mean, you're definitely going to be dealing with copyright um, with, with, with contracts when you're dealing with artists, bands, uh, musicians in general. I mean, it all depends on who writes the songs. Um, you know... Uh, you can you can get your stuff copyrighted easily enough the hardest part is to decide how the copyright is going to be split you know yeah. and after it is the even harder part is to, to then decide how to split the publishing amongst copyright holders you know yeah. what i mean so far with the bands i've worked with they've been pretty you know good about it everybody's yeah. splitting it evenly you know between each of them um I haven't really dealt with any artist yet that does 100% of the writing and the rest of the band is sort of just there. Um, but it's 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 very important. I mean, as far as as far as people infringing on copyrights or anything like that yet. Mm, I mean, not as far as somebody like stealing music, but I mean, you know, like st- actually like stealing somebody's riff and putting it on another record no i have not dealt with that personally yet i mean the only thing i have i have dealt with of course already is uh is like you know stealing stealing your files in the internet yeah you know what i mean And, and putting them up all over the place but that's always of course in a different country that you can't touch anyway you know it's it's like and the the point is useless because you shut one down, ten more pop up i mean once once it's on the internet, it's there. You know yeah. what I mean, and that's just the way it is. There's not too much you can do about that, but I mean it is that that pretty much is they're they're using your material you know with without your written consent, yeah, you know, and what are you gonna do? Send thirty thousand cease and desist letters out to Russia, Cambodia, <laughs> wherever the hell the servers are it's, yeah it's just it's ridiculous, but yeah, I mean. As far, as far as the copyrights go, they are important to have done. Um, it is important to get them done the right way, you know, by, by submitting them properly. I mean, a lot of people sit there and they'll say, you know, why don't, why don't you just, you know, mail it to yourself or whatever. Well, that's yeah. fine and dandy until you have to go to court. You know, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a poor man's copyright. Sure, it's fine and dandy, and it'll probably work. Unless you're going up with some, you know, against somebody who has a hell of a lot of money, yeah, and they're going to figure out a way to get around that. Now, if your stuff is listed with the U.S. Copyright Office and you walk into court with your copyright, there's nothing to be said. Gavels down, it's yours. Your decision, it's done. If they prove, if you can prove that they ripped off your stuff enough to cause a copyright infringement, you'll walk out of there. You know.
0: Now, how do you acquire a copyright with like uh, the office?
1: Well, you can go online and you can download the application or fill it out. Yeah. Um, yep. It's actually not too expensive. Um, people copyright in different ways. Some people, you know, uh, copyright all their songs separately, which is a little bit more expensive. Yeah. Um, the way I do it is I do it as one project so you can go through like say with the record yeah this is a copyright of you know operational hazard yes and then it'll say part one part one will be random acts of killing part two will be the next track part three and it'll just go in as one project file which you're paying like i think it's like what is it now 35 dollars or something like that if you go direct if you want to go indirect, yeah. like go through one of the services that does it, you're yeah. you're paying over a hundred and some dollars to yeah. have them do it for you. But uh it's really not that hard. Yeah. You know, it's really not that hard. And the instructions are pretty simple on it. But I recommend it. If you're taking your music seriously and you know, you're you're trying to get out there as a national act and make things happen for you. I would definitely recommend getting your stuff copywritten just in case it's well worth it. You took the time to write it and come up with it. Why not protect it?
0: At what level would you say a band should start copywriting their discography?
1: Well, I mean, technically, the way the law speaks is, I mean, as soon as it's put on a medium, it's copywritten. Yeah. You know, a CD or whatever. But, I mean, I would copyright anything that I'm going to put out into the public that I think I'm going to be selling at one point or another. Like, if you're putting together songs now, you know, you don't need to copyright them right now. But if you're going to put together songs and release them anywhere on the internet, whatever, I mean, and, you, and you're and you going to be selling these songs or, you know, doing whatever. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, it's even more than that, too, because you don't want somebody taking one of your riffs like, say, say, you say, say you're one of the guys that says, okay, I'm going to give away all my music for free. Because some bands do that today. They'll give yeah. away their whole album for free, you know, just so you'll come to their shows and buy their merch. Yeah. But still, even if you do that, you need to copyright your music. Because God forbid, and I'm not trying to use this guy on purpose, but God forbid <laughs> Jay-Z, <laughs> God forbid Jay-Z steals 15 seconds of one of your riffs, puts it on his record, and makes fifty million dollars with that record. Oh, that'll never happen. But I'm just saying you never know. You <laughs> I'm know, just kidding. But you know what I mean? Yeah. It, it could happen. You know, and and if something like that happens, you're gonna be kicking yourself in the ass for not copywriting, you know, that 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 riff or that song. Yeah. You know, and and that kind of stuff happens all the time, you know, when it, when it comes down to, to different things. I mean, if it's copywritten and he wants to use it, then he just calls you up and says, I want to use your riff, and you set up a licensing deal with him. And you license out that 15 seconds, yeah. you know, and he pays accordingly. You know what I mean? But if, if he checks and it's not copywritten, he's going to be like, screw you. I'll do whatever I want with it. You know what I mean? And it's up to you to fight him. Good luck with that. Excuse me. But, you know yeah. what I mean? Good luck with that. But it's just it's, it's always important. Like I, I, I say, you know, if, if it's important enough and you took the time to write it, you know, and it's your creation, then why not protect it? You know, it's, it's just important to do. You know anything about um,
0: copyrights for um, coming up with articles in magazines?
1: That I don't know much about. What do you mean like? Let's say
0: I have a 5,000 or 6,000 word interview with someone and I want to copyright that. Is it a similar uh, technique or is it not even really worth it for that?
1: I don't know if you... Can you copyright that? I guess you can. I don't know. I've never looked into it. So I don't really want to give you advice because I don't know. You know, um, I don't know. I really don't. I'm like stumped, man, for a change. Yeah.
0: (laughs) No, because I'm starting to read about, um, I'm not naming names here, but uh, there's magazines out there that um, demand the copyrights from writers as well as photographers permanently like they they'll hold the copyrights pretty much forever and they could like let's say you're a photographer and you do a shot of somebody they could put that on to a t-shirt or something like that if they uh felt like it
1: so what they won't they won't use your photo until you turn over the copyright for it is that what you're trying to say yes yeah well i don't know what to tell you to do there man i'd be like well i'll tell you what i'll sell you that copyright you know but they won't go for that you know it's a catch 22 it yeah. is because you want to when you're in a position like that it's like you're not making a ton of money yet. Yeah. You want to get your name out there. You want to get your stuff out there. Just hope that if if something does pop for you, yeah, that you have something fo- to follow up with it. You know yeah. what I mean that that they don't own. I don't know. I would have to look into that man honestly because I don't know too much about it so. Hm.
0: Yeah, I mean um it's just a really wild situation, I guess, for every, like, creative person out there.
1: Yeah, it definitely is. It, it, it definitely is. I mean, and copyright laws are different for yeah. every country. You know, it's the same thing when you're working with trademarks. If I get a trademark done in the U.S. for Condition Critical's logo... Yeah. Um, if I want to get it trademarked worldwide there is no service for worldwide. You have to pay every country separately to wow. have your stuff <laughs> trademarked. So it's wow. like insane. You know what I mean? You, you could sp- I, I can't even imagine the amount of money it would cost to trademark everywhere, even if it is available in some countries I don't even know. But.
0: Well, typically, though, what would you do would be like the five or ten countries that you'd say to yourself, you know what, I know at least these countries would be worth getting the trademark in.
1: Oh, sure. I mean... Well, I mean, the place that it sucks is, like, when you're dealing with, like, South America. There's a lot of countries in South America. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? But you would have to pick the main ones, like Brazil, maybe. Yeah. Or, you know, the big one, Mexico. You want to get yourself yeah. trademarked there because they do have a lot of merch coming out of there that should yeah. stay. Um, you know, uh, Asia, different, di- a couple different countries in Asia. Uh, a couple different countries, like, in the UK area, like, you know, Germany. uh, and depending, if you're marketing to Japan, I would yeah. get it done there as well, too. But you're right. I mean, you need need to really figure out. And that's your whole marketing aspect where you have to sit down, really look at your marketing, see where yeah. your biggest buzzes are. And those are the countries that you want to make sure your stuff's trademarked in properly. You know, that's the mm-hmm. smart way to go about it. I mean, you just don't want to go blowing money without knowing where it's, where, where it's most rampant. Yeah. You know what I mean? But, yeah, it's crazy. I was just... Uh, I was talking to uh, Chuck Stadulis tonight from Amble Bitch, who, who works with me on the label yeah. and helps me out a lot. Great guy. Um, when I was out in, in Ohio at the Warriors of Metal Fest with Flesh Engine and uh, Power Theory and stuff, uh, we're looking at the merch table, mm-hmm. and I believe, I'll throw it out there because I don't care, I yeah. believe it was Mexican Steel, I think it was, yeah uh, merch distributors, and I'm looking at the table and I'm like, There's an Anvil bitch patch there. So immediately I get on the phone, I call Chuck, and I'm like, Hey, Chuck, I said, do you guys have this company license to make your patches? He's like, no. (laughs) So basically, he's like, somebody else is making money off me. Ah." You know what I mean? It's just like, it's ridiculous. You know what I mean? It's, it's, It's ridiculous. And the bands don't get a dime. You know the yeah. way the way Chuck put it, he's like, "Yeah, somebody else is living in a big house, driving a nice car with a couple of whores, and I'm sitting here." <laughs> that's how he put it, and <laughs> yeah. I was like, "That's great, dude." Yeah, he was like, "Make sure you say that tonight." I was like, "All right, I'll say it. I'll say it." <laughs> <laughs> wow, <laughs> yeah, that's comforting. comforting. It is. It is. Now Chuck's a great guy, though, man. And 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 Amble Amble bitch, <coughs> excuse me. Yeah, Amble bitch. Uh, I just actually heard heard a new track that they just got done recording which is is pretty badass. Yeah. So hopefully I'll, I'll send you up I'll send you up a copy of it. You could check it out and uh, let me know what you think. What would you say
0: in terms of like preparations for selling things in Mexico? Because I remember hearing stories about rigor mortis like playing shows in Mexico and it's like they come down, they have all this merch and it's like it's the merch that they're selling that's gonna get them through. Like some of these concerts, and it's like there's all these people with like bootleg shirts and things like that, and it's like, damn, what can you do
1: about that? Baseball what? bat? No, I'm looking like, now. Yeah, I mean, I, I honestly, dude, I haven't been in that position yet, so I don't know what I would do about it. I mean, I know I'd be pretty upset. Yeah. Espe- I mean, especially if that's what's getting you through your tour. I mean, you hope. You hope that that's not what you're depending on to get you through your tour, but nine times out of ten, it usually plays a pretty big part, you yeah. know, in, in getting you through what you're doing. And it's got to be so frustrating for the guys, you know, to go through stuff like that. And I'm sure I'll, I'll, I'll when I, when I find out, when I get there, I'll let you know all about yeah. it. Yeah, you know what I mean, uh, firsthand. But yeah, that's that. That does suck, man. I, I don't know how they deal with that crap. Getting back
0: to uh, the tour now. First uh, night of the tour, I guess, is going to be
1: next Thursday at uh Champs this Thursday. Yes, this Thursday. Yeah, it's going to be a Champs over in Trenton. Um good god, I don't even know all the bands that are on it. You probably know more than I do about it right now. Oh, I know dude, I like, got a hint, man. Condition Critical's playing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's like there's there's like I think seven bands on the bill. Six or wow. seven bands, I think, Michelle put on there once um, it's starting
0: 4 p.m yeah right
1: I, I think i think it actually starts go back to the magic phone now <laughs> thank god for wi-fi at this college <laughs> all right all right i have big problems right now yeah let me say home because i know we just posted it up um well that's actually not the one i wanted to see Anyway, hum along. Ah, <laughs> yeah, right. oh, now it's not going to work. I'm trying to remember. I mean, I know. I know. Well, of course, we're on it, and Killing Sessions is on there. Um, I think Tortured Existence is on there too. Yeah. I'm trying to think of the other bands that are on there because I don't want to leave any bands out. I think Thrash holes on there too. Maybe. Um, no stories available that's not good <laughs> if you can go to uh go to condition critical's facebook page and it should be like in uh in events like go go to the events tab and look not not like on the post but in the events cuz the posts are for bands in town for the touring stuff
0: okay booting that up
1: <laughs>
0: let's see
1: but I believe I think it's six. I think it's six bands playing, and I named four of the six already, which is unbelievable for my age at this point. <laughs> and I would like to thank you there, Nick, for the uh, beef jerky and for the seltzer. Yeah, appreciate it.
0: Yeah, like remember, you cannot get enough salt in your diet without eating beef jerky. No, you can't. You can't do it. Um, <laughs> okay. July 18th, you got Condition Critical, Killing Session, Thrash Hole, Tortured Existence, and Xenophile.
1: Ah, that was the one I missed then, Xenophile. Cool, cool. Good stuff, good show. Definitely Thursday. What time does that thing say it starts? Um, Two in the afternoon? No, I'm <laughs> Probably uh, six or seven. Noon. Noon. Noon, really? No, no i I hope kidding. not. Good God.
0: Uh, let's see...
1: Hmm. Starts 7 p.m. That's not too bad, but it is 10 p.m. All ages. But it is Thursday. Ah, it's yes. going to be good. It's going to be a good show, definitely, man. It's going to be kick ass.
0: Excellent. Now, tell me about the uh, Philly show. The
1: Philly show going to be at the Voltage Lounge, which is right next door to Electric Factory. If you haven't been there yet, you need to check it out. They have a new sound system in there. New lights, too. Um, if you haven't been there like the last couple months, uh, they, they definitely have a, a really cool place going on in there. And it's a hookah lounge, too. So in case you want to smoke, you can always do that. But uh, it's going to be, uh, let's see, what's the running order? Surgical Strike. Um, then it's going to be Flesh Engine from Philadelphia. Then it's going to be Killing Sessions from Ohio, who's going to be touring with us carcinogen from up in new york and then we're going to be headlining um i believe the doors open at seven thirty. the show starts at eight uh it's eight dollars to get in it is a 21 and over show that night so make sure uh you don't bring your kids thinking they're going to get in because they're not which sucks you know <laughs> but that's just that's just yeah. the way it was it was either we did the show like that or we had to do an afternoon show on a saturday to have it be all ages and I was just like, "We're not doing a one in the afternoon show; just not yeah. doing it." So that's that's the way that I ended up getting pushed. But um, it's definitely going to be definitely going to be a good night. Um, it, it's it looks to me like it's going to be pretty packed over there too. So uh, make sure you definitely come out, hang out, and uh, get to meet all the bands and buy some merch and support the tour and support the bands. That's what it's all about. Also, uh, November twenty fifth, you guys are. I believe possibly
0: playing their first show with Warbringer.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a champs too, I believe, right?
0: Yes, November twenty fifth, and that's on a um, damn, what day is November twenty fifth?
1: I don't know. It's probably a Wednesday. No, a Warbringer.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Hmm.
1: Let's see. Let's see. Click, 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 click. Oh, it's a Monday! It's a Monday, even better. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? Can't get better than a Monday show, man. Hey, you know we're we're playing there on uh, August ninth too. Yeah, when we come back from the tour with Havoc, which should be uh, a pretty good show. But that's probably on a weekday too. August ninth. He's going. He's looking now. Yeah, wha- it's watch not it be another Monday. It's not a damn Monday. I know that because I would not have done that. <laughs> You know, I mean the 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 main reason the main reason we're we're playing. Oh, is, it's a Friday! Look at that! Congratulations! See, that, that helps a little bit. <laughs> but yeah, I mean the Warbringer show. I mean we we want to play with Warbringer, of course. Yeah. And it's to me to me, man. It's 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 a lot more about making the the contacts, you know. Yeah. At at the shows, I mean, because Monday night's a Monday night. I mean, it's just yeah.
0: Whew.
1: It's going to be a rough one. But (laughs) you do at
0: least have Warbringer, Dark... Well, obviously, Warbringer is the big cherry out of the bunch, but Dark Empire, March to Victory, Tenth Amendment, and Condition Critical.
1: Oh, March to Victory is on there, too? Ah, yes. Ah, cool, cool. Yep, yep. Ron and Aaliyah. From Board of Chaos Records.
0: Now, do you think you might be able to uh, get Warbringer on that? Uh, I mean, con- condition critical onto the uh, Warbringer Overkill and Creator show uh, in New York City? I believe it's November twenty second and twenty third in New York, or <laughs> is that not happening?
1: I, you know, I don't know. I've been I've been talking to a couple people about it because they're doing the Philly too. Yeah, and. Yeah. It's it's all going to matter how the package comes through, if there's going to be room for an opener on it or not, or if they allow an opener on it or not. Yeah. And then if they do, to be honest, it's going to matter how many tickets they want sold to do it. Because, yeah. you know, with, with local bands, they could walk up and try to make you sell 300 tickets to get on one of those shows. That's in <laughs> Philly. Now, I don't know how New York works with that. Yeah. I've never tried to book them on larger shows in New York yet. So that'll be a new thing that I'm going to have to see. Wait,
0: wait, you. What types of concerts are? Is it like, yo? You need to front up, I guess, three G's to get on these shows. Because <laughs> well, that's what it is. Three hundred tickets. It's at least three thousand dollars. Maybe it could be like four or five. Because I mean,
1: it's ridiculous. Yeah, it is. You know, and it's it, it's 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 totally ridiculous. I mean, first of all. If the headliners that are playing the show, coming through on the package, can't can't even pay the bills in your club, yeah. then maybe you shouldn't be booking the show. You know, that's just, to me, that's common sense. Yeah. I mean, if if I'm going to book a major act to come through my club, there's a reason I'm booking them because I think they're going to draw. Yeah. And sure, the you know, like the way I always looked at it is the local bands – Are there to you know help bring some people in but really the local bands are there to get exposure you know it's not really it shouldn't be to me actually um, the local bands job to pack a club for a national act a national act that's coming through should be able to pack that club themselves you know and the local acts should be feeling Humble to get the exposure to play with those larger acts in front of those bigger audiences. Now, see, if, if something like that happened, I wouldn't mind paying a few hundred dollars to go on and open for somebody, you know, to get to get like a promotional buy-on. So we get added to the poster or whatever. Yeah. But to sit there and expect the local bands to pick up the slack for what the headliners can't draw. The headliners can't draw then what the hell are they headlining for? You know what I mean? Yeah. That's it's, To me, it's common sense, but people will call me crazy and they'll say, well, you know, the local bands will draw in more people. No, they won't. <laughs> no, they won't. They'll draw in their friends. You know, the, 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 the headliners are coming through for a reason. That's why you're booking the headliners and not booking three local acts. Because the headliners are going to draw, they're going to pay your bills, they're going to bring people into the venue. You know, and... Maybe, like I said, maybe I'm backwards, maybe I'm a jackass, yeah. I don't know, but i always I always looked at it as like when the local acts got to open up um for the bigger national acts, it was almost like you know we're giving you exposure you know in front of people that may never have seen you before, even if it's from your area, you know yeah. and and it it gives you a better chance to get in front of more people. But to sit there and have to pay for that experience is a little ridiculous. Like three thousand dollars? Come on, are you serious? I mean, that's. I mean, I, to be honest, if if they if they got asked to get put on that show in Philadelphia, and they asked us to sell more than a hundred tickets, I'd tell them we're not going to do the show. There's no way. I mean, there's no way because those tickets are going to be like twenty bucks a piece. Right there, that's what two thousand dollars. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So. I mean, I would never go as far as taking more tickets than I thought I could sell. I mean, for that show, I, I would think Condition Critical would have no problem selling 100 tickets for that show. Yeah. You know, but 300? The venue only holds, what, 950? Yeah. You know what I mean? Something, or 1,200? It's, like, ridiculous. But um, we'll see. I mean, like I said, if, if as soon as I find out uh, if an opening act is available on the package yeah then we'll see i mean it's basically it's it's really up to the club to decide who's going to play it and it's even up to even if the package comes through and they say you can put an opening act on there the club could say no we're not going to do that this time you know what i mean it's 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 mainly up to the club like a lot of people think you know it's up to the bands that are touring oh well you know we can get the band to put us on there. No, no, it's not how it works. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's it's it, it works the other way. It's it's pretty much the club's responsibility to do that. So we shall see what happens. It'd be awesome because they'd fit that bill perfect. You know, and uh, it would definitely be fun playing with those guys. It's gonna be a kick ass show. You hear um September twelfth, I believe that's a
0: Thursday. Let me see. Bonnet by Blood, Gamma Bomb. Fueled by fire and <coughs> are playing New York City.
1: Where's this? I think
0: Gramercy
2: or something Gramercy, like that.
1: Gramercy Theater. I believe so. Let I'm, me check. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. Oh, guys from Bonded by Blood are pretty cool. We played a couple shows with them. Good guys. I think the last time I saw them was at the truck uh, opening for soil work. I believe. Yeah, September
0: 12th, that'll be St. Vitus.
1: Oh, it's at St. Vitus, okay.
0: Gamma Bomb, Artillery, Fueled by Fire, and I believe it looks like Bonded by Blood may be headlining that.
1: Really? Wow. Either that or Gamma Bomb. Who's putting that on? Signature ref? It doesn't say. Okay, all right, just wondering.
0: But, I mean, that'd be a great show to uh, get on to as well. That was se- <coughs> September when? September 12th, Thursday.
1: A Thursday.
0: Hmm. I mean, a Thursday show is is doable, but, I mean, like, Mondays or Tuesdays are the most horrific days of all. Also, Sunday, too, is getting into that range as well.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, one, once once you get past Sunday, I mean... Everybody's already spent their money, got over their hangovers for the weekend, and went to work Monday morning, and they're going, what, are you kidding me? You know yeah. what I mean? Nobody nobody comes out on a Monday night unless they have to come out on a Monday night. You yeah. Know? And it sucks. <laughs> it just does.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, you really need to be putting on some really insanely amazing thing, even more so than – I mean you you have to be pulling a rabbit a rabbit out of a hat or something.
1: Well, it was like even like like I was telling you earlier last night, um I was down at JC Dobbs. Yeah. And MOD played there like, you know, Billy Milano. Yeah. I was amazed. There was like 60 people there. But mm. I mean that's that's big on a Thursday night for Dobbs for that yeah. kind of music. But on another sense, I'm like this is MOD. They haven't played in like Forever. Anywhere. Yeah. You know, there should have been like 600 people there. You know what I mean? Uh, but hence, it's a Thursday, you know. Um, and it just went the way it went. I mean, it was a really good show, though. I mean, he went over and he did all the old stuff. It was fun. Yeah. And everything else. But, you know, when you go on at 12 midnight on a Thursday. Yeah. it's it's <laughs> It's a little rough. You know what I'm saying? I mean... I know me, I had to be up at four o'clock this morning, yeah, so I only had like three hours' sleep, and now Damn. I'm here, so you know it's it's all good, <laughs> wow, how many bands were on that m o d show? I think there was five bands on there the only the only one I remember um because I knew the band before I got there, yeah. was uh low fast low was on there I mean it was pretty much a uh, a mix of more like um like punky type, hardcore punky type bands. You know what I yeah. mean? That that were that were really good. Actually, I mean, I enjoy listening to that stuff. You know, I I've listened to all that back in the day, like FOD yeah. and the Dead Kennedys and all that stuff. And Minor Threat especially yeah. were some of my favorites. You know, and um, it, it was cool, man. There was like five bands. I mean, the show ran later than they thought it was yeah. gonna run. But, you know, it it was well-rounded out and sounded good as usual, Dobbs, so cool.
0: And I guess pretty much, do you have any final words? Because we're nearing the end of the uh, time of the show. Remember the Alamo? (laughs) Yeah, right. How about that local sports team?
1: (laughs) Yeah, right. Sports? You watch sports? (laughs) Oh, wait.
0: (laughs) What is the smarter option for bands to get acquainted with today? Guarantees or door splits?
1: you're a newer band if you can get a guarantee please call me and let me know how that happens my number is um uh as as a newer band getting guarantees very very difficult i mean it's you really can't expect going out anywhere to ask more than a hundred dollars a night you just can't and a lot of times you'll get laughed out of existence at that I mean, we've had a lot of different experiences where people offer us that, or which is rare. You know what I mean? Like, maybe I think three to four shows out of our 17, we're getting guarantees on. Um, Most of them are door splits. Um, There is a few in there that shock the hell out of me. Like, I forget the club, but there's one club we're playing, and we get a door split, but we also get 50% of the bar sales between, like, 8 o'clock and 10 o'clock at night. I'm like, how the hell am I supposed to figure that number out? Yeah, we need to print your receipts out so we can see what you made between 8 and 10. I mean, really? That's, like, the craziest <laughs> yeah. thing I've ever heard. But That's the first place I've ever heard that's, like, willing to give you a percentage of the bar for playing at their club. That's, like, unheard of. That's
0: during the – um. well, Condition Critical will only be
1: playing, like, maybe f- 45 or 50 minutes Of those two hours, though, right? Well, we'll probably be playing after those two hours. You know, what they probably didn't tell us is they're probably not serving alcohol that night. We're probably only getting 50% of, like, water sales or something like that when we get there. Who knows, man? But, I mean, door splits work cool. Um, If you can get a guarantee, man, by all means, take it. Get it in writing, too, by the way, which is next to impossible because... (laughs) Most of the clubs don't deal with that. I mean, there's a few bigger ones like uh, like uh, the Whiskey. You know, we have a contract with them for the way the yeah. show's going to run. But most clubs, if you sit there and you say you want to guarantee, the the club's going to say, okay, we'll guarantee you this. And you'll say, all right, well, let's put it in writing. And they'll be like, well, that's too much of a pain in the ass. Then we got to yeah. send a paper back and forth. Well, yeah. You know, when, when you're just starting out, beggars can't be choosers. You, yeah. you, you just have to get out there and do it. And my my um, advice to bands first going out on the road and doing stuff is save your money. Before you leave to go, have your tour covered. Don't go out on the road expecting to have the tour pay for itself on your first tour. Never. Never. I repeat one more time, never do that. You want to make sure almost all, if not all of your expenses are covered before you leave. I mean, there's always emergencies that can pop up. But as far as your food, your transportation, your gasoline, you know, um, stuff like that.
0: Emergency money for flat tires.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah, whatever. I mean, you need to have those things covered before you walk out. I mean, if you don't have that stuff covered... Well, I mean, if you can't afford to or you don't have it covered, then good luck, you know, and hopefully nothing goes wrong. Yeah. You know, and hopefully you sell as much as you think you're going to sell or whatever. But in my experience, to lessen the stress, plan your tour a year in advance, you know, Mm -hmm. and sit there and figure out exactly what it's going to cost and put together that and a little bit more for flat tires. There you go. A little bit more for flat tires. Why not? Yeah.
0: Excellent. And what is the last song we should play from Condition Critical?
1: Hmm. Did you play Did you play Random Acts yet? Um, I don't think so. No, let's play track one, title track.
3: You're all gonna die.